Morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here. This morning, I want to share with you a topic that's close to my heart, and that is persecution. I've changed my sermon topic. Uh, we have covered through what being church means, and then the last couple of weeks, we have touched on seven words on the cross, and next month, we're going to have Mission Month, and starting June, we'll be studying together the book of James. And so I have one Sunday that's empty. It's not part of any series, just a one-off sermon. And I thought about, I agonized over what to preach on that one Sunday where it's not tied to a series. And sometimes I'm invited to preach elsewhere. I always struggle. What kind of one sermon to preach? I'm more of a series type thing. Uh, but I thought of uh, persecution because I believe, according to the Bible, all Christians, disciples who is genuine, or Aussie slang, or fair income, uh, you will uh, encounter persecution. This is what the Word of God says, and persecution of God's people is one of the best attest facts in history. Right throughout history, I can go on and show you statistics how Christian has faced persecution over the years and centuries, and I believe that Christians in the West will have their fair share, if not already uh, encountering persecution. I want to read the text to you, the famous text from the Beatitudes. There are eight Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, and the last Beatitudes is about persecution. And it is in that last two verses, three verses, that I want to bring to you three things that we want to talk about persecutions when, not if, when as Christians we encounter persecution. What are we supposed to do? I want to give you three points, the reasons that we are persecuted, and the response, and finally, the rewards as well, if we are persecuted. But I want to begin by reading to you the, the, the other seven Beatitudes before I come down to the final eighth Beatitudes, which is talking about persecution, because it's all tied together. You will be persecuted if you actually adhere to the principles and the values of the other seven Beatitudes. And if you live that kind of life, you will definitely be persecuted. So I'm going to read to you from uh, verse 1 onwards to verse 12. And verse 10 to 12 is the one that I'll be touching on. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they will be called sons of God. And then here come down to verse 10. If you live all according to the lifestyle, the values and the principles that are laid down in God's word, then here comes the last one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said, well, it's going to be like that. Right throughout history, it has always been like that. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, which is the chapter on faith. It says this, Some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were saw in two. Some say that Isaiah was one of them. They were saw in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Christians are persecuted simply. You just need to look at the response of the Christ Church after Mass and Sri Lanka. You just need to see the response. And even Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, when they tweet it out, they don't even use the word Christians. They're just so afraid of using the word Christians anymore. They just, you know what word they use? Easter worshippers. They don't use Christian. You don't see them using the word Christians. <coughs> Christian has always been persecuted right from the start, right from the early days. It wasn't until uh, Constantine became emperor. But that brings another problem. Uh, under the Roman Empire, the rule Christian always suffers. William Barclay, a commentator, says this. He said, Nero, Nero was the, the emperor. Nero wrapped the Christian in pitch and set them alight. And he used them as living torches to light his gardens. He sowed them in the skins of wild animals and he set his hunting dogs upon them to tear them to death. They were tortured on the rack. They were scraped with pincers. Molten lead was poured hissing upon them. Red hot brass plates were affixed to the tenderest parts of their bodies. Eyes were torn out. Parts of their bodies were cut off and roasted before their eyes. Their hands and feet were burned while cold water was poured over them to lengthen the agony. In the 14th century, John Wycliffe was persecuted, the man that translated the Bible. The 15th century reformer John Haas, if you know history, was burned at stake in Bohemia. In 16th century, thousands of Anabaptists were slaughtered in Europe. Martin Luther was condemned and outlaw, and William Tyndall, uh, first to translate Bible from Hebrew and Greek into English, 
was strangled and burned to death in Belgium. And in the same century, Henry VIII's daughter, Mary's Tudor, which we know her as Bloody Mary, had hundreds of Christians, including great evangelical leaders like Thomas Cranmer, uh, Cranmer burned at stake for their loyalty to the gospel. In the 19th century, Karl Marx and Mao Zedong and everyone, there goes Russia. Christian has right throughout history been persecuted. But Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. The word blessed in Greek means makarios, which simply means uh, not just translation of happy, but it's a very objective statement. Say, God is so pleased with you. God is so happy with you. God is so glad. Or uh, Max Lucado wrote a book on all the beatings called The Applause of Heaven. Heaven applauds when you're poor in spirit. Heaven applauds when you're meek. Heaven applauds when you're mourned for your sin. Heaven applauds when you're peacemaker. Heaven's applause when you are persecuted because of righteousness. Makarios, objective statement. To be approved, to find approval by God. Let me give to you my three points. Uh, first and foremost, I want to give you the reasons for persecution because some of us Christians are persecuted uh, because we are nasty, because we are mean. Uh, that one is not what Jesus talked about. There's no rewards on those kinds of things. You've got to really shape up. Uh, there's there's no, no reward for that kind of being nasty, being, being bad, being stingy, being rude, and being offensive. Uh, there is no. So there are two reasons given here. Uh, there is a real reason for persecution. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Yeah? Because of righteousness. And secondly, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against me because of me. Because of Jesus. So, if you, there are two reasons for persecution, because of righteousness and because of Christ. Why? Because the world rejects Christ and the world rejects Christ's standard. You preach Christ's standard, people don't like it because it reflects bad on them. And so the world always rejects Christ. The world always rejects Christ's standard. Look at John 15. This is what Jesus says. If the world hates you, keep in mind that he hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, Jesus said. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours too. The world always rejects Christ. You can say all kinds of words about God or Spirit or whatever, but you mention the word Jesus, you're in trouble. And look at 1 Peter chapter 4 again. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Say, don't, don't be surprised as a Christian when you face persecution, it's a norm. In fact, it's abnormal if you live according to the Beatitudes and you're not persecuted. 
But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So if I get into trouble because I talk too much or because I meddle or because I try to force my faith on other people, that is not persecution. If I'm promoting my own cause and people reject me, that is not persecution. If I'm arrogant and abusive in my attempt to witness for Christ and people want nothing to do with me, that is not persecution. That one, you deserve it. But if I seek to do His will, you seek to honor His name, and as a result you suffer, that is persecution. The Christian who is devotedly carrying his cross, you never have to manufacture persecution. It will come to you. If we live the way Jesus lived, then the world will treat us the way it treated him. And we share in the fellowship of his suffering. As I already just read to you, if you follow the Beatitudes, seven Beatitudes, if you live out according to what the Scripture says about your life, based on the Beatitudes, you will face persecution. Poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means spiritually you're bankrupt. Spiritually you acknowledge that you're zero. You can't make it. In this world, it's about humanism. It's all about you. It's, it's about, there's no free lunch. It's all about your own willpower. And so when you live like that, you say, I can't make it, Lord. I need your help. I need a savior. People don't like that. And if you mourn, you repent of your sins and the sins of the society, it is not appreciated by the world because the world doesn't want to know what sin is according to the standard of the scripture. They don't like it. Blessed are the meek. If you're a gentle and meek person, meek, by the way, is not weak. Meek simply means power under control. You have tremendous amount of power within you, but you don't use the power. You don't abuse the power. You use it for good. Many people can't handle power. I know people in Malaysia and Singapore, they have helpers, they have mates, they have helpers under them. And many, many employers, they abuse uh, the helper. And I often tell people, before you criticize African dictator and all that, if one person under your complete care, you already abuse your power. Can you imagine millions of people under your care? We are actually quite similar in some sense. We are just not in that position, that's all. And so if you are meek, people don't like it. Conventional wisdom says that meekness is weakness. And so if you hunger, and fourth one is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you are hungering and thirsting for the spiritual, it is foreign and repugnant to the world that lasts after only what it can touch and taste. And if you are a merciful person, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Even Christian, can't stand Christian who are merciful sometimes. Sometimes you forgive someone, some Christian can come along and say, Why you forgive that person? That person deserves it. Even Christian can't stand someone who is merciful sometimes. It is certainly out of step with 
the grudge-bearing, callousness of our age. The person is awkward, embarrassing, rebuked to the uncaring. And then Jesus said, blessed are the pure. Pure means single-minded. Like you say, pure gold is unmixed. It's not mixed, it's pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If you focus it single-mindedly, you will see God. And then blessed are the peacemaker. The world doesn't like peacemaker, they are peace faker. Peacemaker, did you realize that the word maker is very active? A lot of people tend to think that peace is like, you know, just nothing happened, just sweep it under the carpet. And, but he said peacemaker. Maker, maker is a very active word. It's like you make a cake. You make something happen. It's a very active word. It's not passive as in don't, 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 don't. Just see another carpet. Just pretend nothing happens. And sometimes you could create something. You could create something to make something happen. You could create some tension before some good and lasting peace can come out of it. And so when we leave out those kind of values, Jesus then say, you will be persecuted. So two reasons. Because of righteousness and because of Christ. When you're persecuted, it's based on those two reasons. Other than that, it's just purely that you are on the wrong track. You better go on your knees and repent <laughs> that you've been such a bad witness. Second thing, what should we do? How should we respond if we are persecuted? How should we respond? There, in these three verses, there are three here, or two from here, and one from Matthew, uh, further down uh, from the same chapter. Uh, how should we respond to persecution? Most of us react, and when you react, you become resent, and when you resent, you retaliate. That is the way the world acts when difficulties come. Friedrich Nietzsche, the German who, philosopher that popularized the phrase, God is dead, he said that revenge is the greatest instinct in the human race. And he hated Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount. He just hated it. He's just like Superman type of power, you know. Use your power and just go and get those who hit you. Just go all the way out. And so he can't stand Christians' virtues of, of the Beatitudes. Turning the other cheeks and forgiveness and mercy. He said, this is just silly, you know. He just, he just hated it with vengeance. Uh, but he died of a very miserable man. Uh, he died as a madman for the last maybe 20 years of her life, his life. A mad, mad man. In fact, he wrote a poem, brilliant man, but he's a mad man. Jesus tells us that there are three proper responses when we are persecuted because of Christ and because of righteousness. Three responses. The first one is, you reign over it. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. You live like a king. You reign like a king. It simply means that the believer reigns in life in the midst of persecution. He acts like a king and not a slave. We like to react. I react too. I realize I make a lot of mistakes in my life and, and sanctification is a process. We react. We all know that only animals react. But human beings with the capacity of mind and, and intelligence, we should not react. We should respond. 
is simply how should we respond to persecution? We must reign over the situation. We must reign over those things that, is, that came upon us. We like to react, we like to resent and retaliate because we need to defend ourselves all the time. But believers, disciples of Christ, they are the kind of God-fearing believers who have Christ, Holy Spirit living in us. It's almost, we should not retaliate. Jesus could have summoned legions of angels, yet He willingly let sinful men slap Him in the face spit upon him, pluck out his beard, mock him, and then crucify him. He reigned over it. And when you really reign over circumstances, you are not constantly subject yourself to the environment all the time because you are reigning over the situations. You are allowing the Holy Spirit to reign over you, to lead you and guide you to respond correctly. I've learned as a pastor, I make many mistakes as a Christian and as a pastor. I remember as a youth pastor in my old church, there was this Cantonese, uh, it's, it's a mix, they have a Cantonese service, and then they have English service, and then the Cantonese parents, the children come to the English service, the youth group, and so I, I kind of bridge in between, always have to have meeting with the Cantonese parents, speaking parents, and then they have formed another working committee, and all that kind of thing. So once I was in a meeting with a Cantonese pastor and myself, and some uh, representative from the Cantonese congregation, parents and English congregation parents and we have a meeting and, and sometimes meeting can get a bit heated even in, in church meeting even though you believe in Jesus uh, um, some people get, get so worked up and this particular lady from the Cantonese congregation she was so upset with, with how things were run and she just threw her pen on the, uh, on the table she said Pop, this is not good enough she said, Pop. and the pen flew straight into the Cantonese church pastor's face Pop! straight into his face. Pop. And I was just sitting beside him. I said, it could have been me. Man. <laughs> Maybe I was a bit younger. I kind of, a bit, my, my reflexes a bit faster. And I was shocked. And I was just silent. I just think, what is he going to say? And he handled with great dignity. He never reacted. And that was my first lesson. As a young youth pastor, he just ran over the situation, never react, well controlled, and ran over the situations. There was a story about this uh, country, a great army invaded the country and created a path of destruction wherever they went. And the greatest wrath was reserved for holy people. They found particularly the monks. And this author writes this. When the invaders arrived in one of the villages, the leader of the village reported to the commander, all the monks hearing of your approach fled to the mountains. The commander smiled a broad, cold smile, for he was proud of having a reputation for being a very fearsome person. But then the leader added, oh, there is but one monk refused to leave. The commander became enraged. He marched to the monastery. He kicked in the gate. There in the courtyard stood the one remaining monastic Monk, the commander charged at the figure, Do you know who I am? The commander demanded, I, 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 am, I, am, I am he who can run you through with a sword without battling an eyelash. That's what I can do to you. And the monastic monk fixed the commander with a serene and patient look and said, And do you know who I am? 
I am the one who can let you run me through with a sword without batting an eyelash. I can. Reign over the situation. Secondly, how are we supposed to respond when we are persecuted? It also said we are to rejoice. Sounds silly, isn't it? You know why Tredic Nietzsche so much hated Christian virtues? Rejoice? Because Jesus says rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Verse 12, is a rejoice and be glad. Impossible, isn't it? Isn't it silly to do that? But if you look at the early church apostles, they did that. In Acts chapter 5, uh, I, I think I forgot to put this up. In Acts chapter 5, verse 40, his speech persuaded them. They caught the apostle in and had them flock. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You know why you can rejoice? You can rejoice for three reasons. Because persecution is a compliment. It means to say that you're so identified with Christ, the world is so anointed with you so much, that you are on the leak of Christ, that you suffer like Christ. So it's almost like a compliment. It is a privilege to be persecuted for Jesus' sake. And then also persecution becomes an opportunity to witness, isn't it? Do you know that the word martyr simply means weakness? Stephen suffered persecution even unto death and one result was the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Persecution also gives us an opportunity to grow. Did you know persecution gives us an opportunity to grow? How many of you here have encountered Mormon coming to your house? With a, or cycling? Two young men, white shirt, with a badge here, with a tie. If you are a Mormon below the age of 27, compulsory, two years in the mission field. If you are converted after 27, you are exempted. But below 27, out there, two years. And do you know what is the purpose? The purpose is not to gain converts. Gaining converts is the bonus. The, com the purpose is to strengthen them to face so much opposition that they will forever remain in the faith. They face so much opposition and constantly have to fight back that they will forever remain in the faith. That is the purpose. Extra convert, that is the bonus. So persecution becomes an opportunity to witness Persecution gives us an opportunity to grow. And so we rejoice. We rejoice knowing that something wonderful and beautiful come out of it and such a great honor and privilege to stand up for Christ. And thirdly, which is not in this text, but just in the same chapter, chapter 5, which is a famous saying, uh, we release love. So how are we supposed to respond to, to persecution? We reign over it. We rejoice. And thirdly, now we release love. Because in verse 44, it talks about love. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
whether you like it or not, this is what Jesus says. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We are to release love. We are to bring all this thing to Jesus. There was a story written by Chow Swindor uh, in one of his books that in the early days of my Christian life, I read of it. I can't remember where it came from now. Some fellows, uh, some Americans, they were stationed in Korea during the Korean War. While there, they hired a local boy to cook and clean for them. And being a bunch of uh, pranksters, this guy you know, soon took advantage of the boy's seeming naiveness and niceness in a sense. When somebody is too nice, some people just get irritated by them, you know. And, and so they would smear Vaseline on the stove handle, greasy thing, so that when he turned the stove in the morning, he would get grease all over his fingers. And they put a little water buckets over the door so that he get drenched when he opened the door. They even nailed his shoes to the floor during the night. And day after day, the little fellow took the brunt of their practical jokes without saying anything. No blame, no self-pity, no temper tantrum. Just go on his business. Finally, the man felt guilty about what they were doing. So they sat down with this young Korean boy and he said to this boy, Look, we know these pranks aren't funny anymore and we are very sorry. We promise you we're never going to take advantage of you again. You're such an amazing guy. We just you know, flabbergasted by your, your, your response. It seemed too good to, tr to be true to that house boy. So the boy said, no more sticky on the stove? He said, no, no more. No more water on the door? Uh, no more, no more. No more nail shoes to the floor? He said, no, no, no more, no more. He said, okay, okay, good, 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 good. Then there'll be no more spit in your soup. <laughs> All right, no more spit in your soup. So he may be outwardly, outwardly responding in this way, but inwardly he was actually taking revenge. So when you go to a Chinese restaurant and eat, never complain, right? <laughs> never complain while you're eating. You can complain after the food. You can complain after the food. After you pay your bill, you can complain, but don't, don't complain while you're in the, in, in the midst of the, the food. You don't know what they'll do to you. We release love. We have to, as difficult as it is, we reign over the situation. You see persecution from the right person. You're persecuted because of righteousness, because of Christ. You reign over it. You rejoice because you count it as a privilege and as well as you release love. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, love is not just a sentiment. Love is a great controlling passion and it always expresses itself in terms of obedience love is not a feeling it comes and goes it can be a navigate it can be an indicator but it cannot be a navigator thirdly what are the rewards of persecution what are the rewards there are rewards there are actually three rewards that are mentioned here. So the reason being persecuted is because of righteousness, because of Christ, and the way we respond is we reign over it, we rejoice over it, and we release love. Why? Because there are rewards of persecution. Three rewards that are mentioned here. First and foremost, you are, you, you are an overcomer. 
The reward is you are an overcomer. You reign over it. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was not talking about entering the kingdom because that is covered in the first beatitude. You need to be poor in the spirit. You have to spiritually bankrupt and destitute poor. You can't make it on your own. And you acknowledge that Jesus saves you. He was talking about enjoying the kingdom. When you are able to exercise self-control in the midst of persecution and you are able to pray for your persecutors and do good to them, then you have entered into the secrets of what it means to live as a human being on earth. Because you are not reacting all the time to our environment. You are reigning, you are responding. You are in total control over your emotions and over your situation. You become an overcomer. Secondly, you are in good company. Your reward is you are in a good company. It says here, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are in good company. Just like the prophets that were persecuted, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, you are on the same league. That's your reward when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for Jesus' sake. And thirdly, there is also a future reward. You have a crown waiting for you. There is a future reward waiting for you. Rejoice and be glad. Why? Because great is your reward on earth, in heaven. Never mind if you have no reward on earth. Never mind. Never mind. Great is your reward in heaven. What sort of rewards? We don't know. But there is a crown waiting for those who persecuted because of Christ's sake, because of righteousness' sake. I actually have a clip that I want to play to show you. Um, it was shared in the ladies' devotion. <laughs> Hallelujah. Technology. That's right. Uh, I have a clip that I, I, I think Ida forwarded in the ladies' devotion thing that I thought is so powerful. You have to watch this. You have to watch this. Uh, uh, Pushan, I hope the internet works. Let's, let's watch this. Six minutes, six and a half minutes. Volume. When we opened the church here and they knew that we are preaching Christ and we are teaching the children, they weren't happy. We had a dental clinic and a normal clinic and uh, I used to preach the gospel and uh, now look at it. How does it affect you to see it all just sitting here like this the, now? The, the, Don't ask too many questions, I'll cry. I'll cry. Yeah. For decades, Sami Daga has invested his life in churches in Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. But in the Islamic stronghold of Sidon, the Christian medical clinic would face a devastating blow. One morning, I received a telephone call 
The nurse has been shot. She was lying here in the pool of blood. And they must have put the gun in her mouth so she doesn't scream. I was devastated. Thinking here is another person dying for the sake of Christ. Yeah. Because of this senseless attack, the Sidon church was forced to move to a new location. For Sammy, the pain of loss was deep, but this wasn't the first time he had looked death in the face. Every Christian who is preaching Christ and want people to be saved, he can be attacked anytime. So that day, it could be the last time you see your family. Anything could happen. Clashes continue today in Lebanon involving several militia groups. Violence on the streets of Beirut leaves schools dead. The government denounced the attack, calling it a massacre of innocent civilians. Civil war raged in Lebanon from 1975 until 1990. In spite of the danger, Sami knew he must respond to the suffering all around him. During the war in Lebanon, many, many massacres happened. We saw people in, in the mud, in the dirt, and uh, no food, no water. I went to help the people in need. Palestinian or a Muslim or a Jew, anyone who is in need. I had a camper, I made it like a clinic and he used to go down with me and we gave them medicine and food and blankets and everything. As Sami and his team served the Palestinian refugees in the name of Jesus, they did so at their own peril. One night as Sami came home, he was confronted by a violent warning. I went home about 11 o'clock at night and I found my wife, my children in the lounge crying. And I asked them, what's the matter? And they told me, the doorbell rang at 10 o'clock in the evening and my son, he was 13, he opened the door and a man put a gun in his chest and he said, tell your dad, if he goes to help them, you will be dead. It was a really terrible night. I couldn't sleep all night. And I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I was expecting from God to reveal himself to me and to show me another plan. And the only verse kept coming to my mind, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. So in the morning, I went down and helped the people in need because Jesus loves them. But deep in my heart, I, I knew that the gunman is going to come. 10 o'clock at night, the doorbell rang. I opened the door myself and the man said, didn't your son tell you what happened last night? I said he did. By this time, my wife came between me and him. I pushed my wife and said, shoot, you coward. 
The Holy Spirit must have rebuked this man. He put his head down and walked away. And I looked to my wife, to my children, and I said, God is real. And the joy in our hearts were overwhelming, not because we are saved, but because we knew God is with us. Many times we think when we are in the will of God, we are not going to suffer, but it's not true. Even when we are in the will of God, he said, you will be persecuted, but I will be with you always. At age 81, Sami continues to challenge the church to stand boldly for Christ. Our job is not to go find a place to live quietly. Our job is to preach the gospel no matter what happened. We are the light of the world. People without Christ are dying and going to hell. This is the urgency. Christ is coming again, and so let us be faithful into death so we might have the crown of life. Isn't it great? Powerful story. Let me just close now by just reiterating what I've been saying. Reason for persecution is because of Christ and because of Christ's standard. And the way we respond is to reign over it, to rejoice and to release love. And we have rewards. We're in good company. We have a crown waiting for us, and you live as an overcomer. Let me close with this. Many years ago, uh, in 1995, I was in Pakistan. I was uh, teaching English in the school to Afghan's refugees. It was the rise of Taliban. Many refugees came from Afghanistan to Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan, and we have English school for them. And we often come end of the year, Christmas time, we have a school performance. And there was an elderly man in his 80s uh, was teaching there. And during the performance, he sang a song. And the song is an old hymn. And it was the time that I learned that song. He sang the song, the old hymn said, Jesus is all the world to me. You know the hymns? Yeah, some of the other ones, you know the hymn, Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without Him, I would fall. When I am sad, to Him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, He makes me glad. He is my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. My friend in trial saw. I go to Him for blessings and He gives me over and over. He sends the sunshine. He also sends the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain, sunshine and rain, harvest of grain. He is my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, and true to him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when he's so true to me? 
Following him, I know I'm right. He watches over me day and night. Following him by day and night, he's my friend. And finally, Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life, eternal joy. He's my friend. May you find Jesus as your friend. May you live for him courageously, boldly in this hostile climate that we live in and uh, stand up for Jesus and be persecuted. You're in good company, you have rewards, and you'll be an overcomer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, we can suffer for you uh, because you have already said very clearly to us in your word, we will be persecuted when we live for you. Help us never to be a coward, but be courageous. Help us not to be mean or nasty, and be, as a result, people persecute us. Help us only be persecuted because of Christ and Christ's standard that we yield to it and we live. And help us to be courageous and bold in this hostility climate that we live in. May you be with us. We pray for each one of us here today, for those who do not know Jesus, that Lord, they will come to Jesus. They will surrender their life to Jesus, who is our friend, who can give us eternal life. And this life we submit to His leadership and live passionately, courageously, boldly for Him. Thank you, Lord. As we sing this song, this closing hymn, we are reminded again and again, it is in Christ alone that our hope is found. Thank you, Lord. May you bless this church and bless each one of us today. Thank you. Amen. Would you please stand?